Well, good morning, 11 a.m. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you are with us. Before we kind of begin today, um, everybody say, this Wednesday. Okay, that wasn't everybody. Let's try this again. Everybody say, this Wednesday. Seven o'clock. Right here. I'll be here. Okay, y'all just committed to this Wednesday being here at 7 o'clock because this Wednesday night we have our worship night uh, where we bring together both campuses and we just have a night of worship and communion and it's going to be incredible. I want to encourage you to come out. We'll have child care provided. Uh, I, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I just want to encourage you guys to come out and be a part of it. It's a great opportunity for us to worship together as one church in, in one location. We don't get to do that very often. So um, we have been in this series over the last couple of weeks talking about wisdom, talking about some, some different thoughts out of the book of Proverbs, and uh, it, it's been an incredible series so far. We've, we've heard from uh, Pastor Steve as he talked about Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, trust the Lord, and, and, and that we can't just pick and choose things out of the Bible, but we got to take all of that. It's not a buffet. It, it's an entire meal. we got to take hold of that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the power of our words and the importance of the words that we're using in life. We've also talked about relationships and choosing the right inner circle of relationships, how Proverbs gives us some wisdom on that. And today I want to talk to you about uh, probably the one thing that has impacted more of my relationships than any other area. Uh, and, and not only that, but it's gotten a lot of people in trouble in the area of relationships. And it's this whole area and subject of conflict and how do we deal with conflict in life, and I believe that in every single authentic relationship that you and I are going to have, if it's a real relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's 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 a friendship, whether it's a family dynamics, whether it's at work, it's not if you're going to have conflict; it's about when you're going to have conflict. Because every single authentic relationship, at some point, there is some conflict that is going to take place, and the way that we deal with that conflict is going to determine the the power of that relationship in life. And so it, we need to learn how to deal with it. And there's this great verse in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 18, that says this, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And, and, and that verse right there is, is powerful because it says, if, and, and that word if is a big word there. It says, if it is possible, like if it's within your power, and, and in some instances it's outside of your power, so you don't have the ability to do this, but as long as it's within your power and within your uh, sphere of influence, it says that we are to live at peace with other people. As Christ followers, we should make it a goal of our life to be at peace with other people, to live at this idea of trying to constantly have unity in life. And, and so, so many times we think of conflict as a bad thing when it comes to relationships. And the reality is, is that conflict is not necessarily a bad thing in relationships. Now, sometimes conflict is a bad thing. You look at James chapter 1, it says some of our conflict is from sin and selfishness. And so that's a bad aspect of conflict. Uh, conflict when it's coming from your sin and your selfishness, but the vast majority of us 
The reason we have conflict in relationships is just because of differences of different people's personalities. Think about it. Have you ever encountered somebody's personality that just kind of rubbed you the wrong way? It's not like they did anything wrong. That like they just kind of that like you just were like, man, I don't really like them. Why? Because there's just a conflict there of differences, and it's not that that one person's good and the other person's bad, or that one's right and one's wrong. It's just the way that God designed us that we're all unique. We're all individuals, and so there's naturally going to be some differences in our lives. And so conflict, the conflict that we experience in life isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I do believe that the quality of our relationships is not dependent on whether or not we have conflict, but it's dependent on how we deal with that conflict, how we respond in those moments. And I think that most of us are grossly under-equipped to deal with conflict in life. It got me thinking this week uh, of back to when I was 19 years old. I did an internship in, at this ministry called Team Mania, and it was in Garden Valley, Texas, which is in the middle of East Texas, in the middle of nowhere. And we had this huge 100-acre campus, and part of the campus was called the Back 40, and we do retreats and different events back there. And we were on this, this retreat, and I was with this group of guys that I hung out with all the time, and we were walking through the forest uh, back there, and it was winter time. And in Texas, winters are terrible. It snows and wind comes through. And it's, it's just like, it's the worst thing in the world. And one of the guys I was with, he was walking around. And, and all of a sudden, as we're walking and we're talking, this guy takes off in a full sprint. And we're like, what the heck is going on? And he runs. And there is this tree that he's running directly for. He leaps off the ground, jumps into this tree, wraps his arms around it, and just absolutely obliterates this tree. Like the tree is probably about a foot and a half around. I mean, it's a good sized tree. Just hits it, knocks the tree over. Tree breaks into a whole bunch of pieces and all of us are in like awe. We're like, you are the baddest man on the face of the earth. Like we're all, and like he's doing this. He's, he's, he's like walking around and he just, he's picking out trees and he's running, he's just obliterating these things. And, 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 and finally I'm like, dude, pick a tree for me. Pick a tree for me. You know, like I, I want to be the baddest man on the face of the earth too. And, and so he's like, hey, that one right there, pointing at like Steve, because that he looks like a pretty big tree. And so, like, I, I take off running as fast as I can. I mean, I like I'm pretty fast, and I take off running. I leap off of my feet to take out this tree, and I hit it, and I bounce about eight feet back. <laughs> I think I got a concussion. I'm suing the NFL. And so, uh, and, and so I remember getting up, and I was like, "Man, what, what in the world?" And I was like, "Dude, that was messed up." And I was like, Can, pick another one. Okay. And uh, like, I was like, give me one that like, like whatever's going on. Because what he knew is, is that he could look at trees and because he had been around, he knew what trees, while even though they look great on the outside, which ones were rotting on the inside? Which ones had termites that had already infiltrated them? And so, and so he picked one out. I went and obliterated it. And I felt like a man in that moment. I like got up and I was like, Rah! you know, I just like, it was awesome. Uh, but it got me thinking about this, and I put it on your outline. Unresolved conflicts are the termites of our relationships. And some of our relationships in life, they look so good on the outside. They look like nothing is wrong. They look like they're perfect. Uh, in, in fact, people look at your marriage or your relationship with your kids, or they look at your, your, your work environment, or, or they look at your friendships, and they think, man, they got it going on. Like, everything is, is hunky-dory. And on the outside... Everything looks perfect in your world, and, and they think that everything is okay in your life. The reality is, though, that because of unresolved conflict in your life, 
that while everything may look great on the outside, when one argument escalates in your marriage or when one disagreement happens at work, while the shell of everything looks great, there's so much unresolved conflict and there's so much bitterness and there's so much anger that that, that little bit of conflict has that relationship just disintegrate and be destroyed right in front of you. We know that it isn't going to take much for that relationship to topple over in life. And why is that? Because our lives are full of unresolved conflict, and unresolved conflict is the termites of our relationships. And so what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is to help us see conflict differently. And and I believe that uh, when we see conflict, conflict differently. It's going to transform how we think about conflict. It's also going to transform how we respond to conflict. And so for the next few minutes that we have here together, um, there's a lot of notes, a lot of fill in the blanks today. So if you like fill in the blanks, this is the perfect day for church. If you don't, I'm sorry. Um, We're going to dive right in. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing on your outline there is this. It says, conflict is the opportunity to demonstrate the love and power of God in our lives. I truly believe that with all my heart. If we can begin to see conflict differently, it will change our lives. But for most of us, what happens is is when conflict arises, we have one of two responses. Uh, We either have a tendency to to go into flight mode or we go into fight mode. In fact, I put it on your outline. It kind of looks like this, flight or or fight. And so for some of us, we go into flight mode. And this is is where we try to run away from the conflict. We try to sweep that conflict underneath the rug. We, we hope that by ignoring it, that the conflict will just go away. On the flip side of that, there is the fight tendency. And this is where your blood pressure starts to rise up a little bit. You start to get a little bit excited because you like fighting. Like you, you are looking for an opportunity to fight and, and get into some conflict and resolve that thing. And so we, we have that in our lives. And, and most of us, we fall somewhere in between the flight or the fight aspect. Now, for me personally, if I were to evaluate myself, and I'm going to ask you guys to evaluate yourselves, like, if you were to look at your life when it comes to conflict, like, how do you respond? And I know naturally some of you guys are going to go, well, I'll go right in the center. No, you don't. Stop lying. Um, all of us fall to one side or the other. And so if I was to look at my life, I, I would fall closer to the, the flight side, like, I I want to, uh, while conflict isn't the scariest thing to me, like I will tend to ignore conflict rather than deal with it. What's interesting is my wife is on the exact opposite side. She would rather fight. And so we have a really interesting marriage. Um, and <laughs> side note. Uh, and so, so we, we have these tendencies where, where we all do that. And so uh, let me start with the flight people because I, you're, you're my people. And so I understand you better. Flight people tend to use these responses when they are more interested in avoiding conflict rather than resolving. And we think that when we avoid conflict, we are a peace-filled person. That's why we avoid it. We, we say to ourselves, well, I just want peace in all of my relationships. Like, I just want my life to be full of peace and my relationships to be full of peace. But the reality is, is that is just not true. Uh, because we're not really about resolving the conflict. We just want to avoid it. And so what happens is is we don't want to uh, go and confront that conflict because really what we're trying to do is we're trying to get ourselves away from the opportunity to feel pain. 
Like, we don't want to feel the pain of the conflict of going and experiencing that. And I know for me, and maybe this isn't for you if you're, you're a flight person, but the reality is, is when I confront somebody, the reason I don't like confronting people is because I don't like the way that I feel when I see them hurting. It's not really about them. Honestly, it's all about me. I'm a selfish person. And I'm going to guess some of you are, are that same way. And so a whole lot of us, and I would say a whole lot of Christians, fall into this category where we're content with, with peace faking rather than peacemaking. Like we'd rather act like we got it all going on, but that isn't really true. And what will happen is we'll hop from friendship to friendship trying to avoid conflict. Because we'll want to have this perception of peace in our life rather than really experiencing peace in our lives. And here's the problem for those of us that are wired like, like I am, that we want to avoid this. What happens is, is that those emotions that come from conflict, that bitterness, that anger, that rage, what we do is we just start suppressing all those emotions, don't we? We start pushing them down, and what happens is we have this emotional dam that's built up in our lives, and when somebody hurts us, and rather than going and, and dealing with that, we just, we just put all that stuff back there. But the only problem with the, that is, is that there's only so long we can hold all of that stuff together before that dam overflows and spills out in our life. It's why at some point in time, you've been in an interaction with somebody, and you've said something that really wasn't a big deal, and they totally overreacted to it. Anybody ever experienced that? And you're like, what the heck just happened? Like, why did they just want to murder me when I, I just told them that, like, they probably need to change because they're not that good looking, you know? It's like, they're not that big of a deal. Uh, but they totally overreacted. Well, we want to know why, because they got to this point where they've been suppressing all of that emotion, and you finally were the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and all of that emotion comes rushing out on you because they haven't ever dealt with it. And so it's one of the reasons why it's so important that we dig into this in our lives. Uh, on the flip side of that, if you're one of the people that likes to fight, uh, not only are you mean uh, in life, because you are, uh, but I put it like this. Uh, fight responses are used by people who are more interested in winning the conflict than they are in resolving the conflict. Um, you don't really care what the conflict is and how it gets resolved as long as you win that conflict. You guys all know what I'm talking about. It like, like, you don't even have to be right. You just, you just have to win that conversation. And so many times, like, we go into conflicts, and, and it's not even about being right or wrong. It's about winning. Like, I got the last word, and therefore, I won. And if you are like this, conflict just kind of follow you around because you are constantly looking for it. It's not really following you. You are creating it in your life. And you don't see anything wrong with it because you like it and you like winning. And my encouragement for you would be just lighten up. Chill out, dude. Like, it's going to be okay. And so here is the proverb that I want us to learn from today. It's Proverbs 19, verse 11. And it says this, A person with discretion is not easily angered. He gains respect by overlooking an offense. The Amplified Version, I didn't put it in your notes, but it's so good. It says, good sense and discretion make a man slow to being offended. And it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking revenge or harboring resentment. 
And when I read that verse, it, it got me thinking, like, how good are we at overlooking an offense in our society today? Because so many of the things that we get offended by are so petty in life, and we have forgotten the art of overlooking an offense, realizing that a wise person overlooks an offense. And, and, and we live in a culture that is so offended at everything today. And we've, we, we forget to realize that if we were to really dive in this, overlooking an offense is really one of the greatest forms of forgiveness we can give somebody. Because what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, listen, I know that what you just said or did or whatever that may be, like there is a hurt there. And I can do one of two things with that hurt. I can harbor that. I can let that build up. I can let that, that, that happen in my life. Or I can lash out at you and fight you. Like that's one pathway. Or in this moment, I can choose to forgive you and let that thing go and not harbor resentment or want revenge. And that is an absolute critical, critical thing. And it's a decision that every single one of us can make in every single conflict in our lives. But we got to understand why do we do these one or two things? Why do we flight? Or why do we fight? Well, if we really look at the flight aspect, if we were going to go back to that, the flight aspect is all about me. It's all about how I feel, what is comfortable for me, what is the place where I'm most secure and happy with, with myself. And so the people that are all about the flight tendency are all about themselves. Now, on the flip side of that, the people that are the fight tendency, they're not looking at themselves. They're looking at the other person and putting blame on them. And in, in fact, if you, if you encounter some of these people that have a fighter's mentality, they're, they're very good at blaming. They're very good at abusing. They're very good at manipulating a situation so that they, they, can, they can make sure that they're in the driver's seat of that response. The problem with both of these responses, the flight aspect or the fight aspect, is neither one of them is healthy. Neither one of them is a life-giving way to respond to conflict in our lives. And so where, where is that place? How do we have a life-giving biblical response to conflict? And, and I think that there are some ways that we can respond. And if you're, if you're taking notes, the first one is this, is we need to seek to glorify God in our conflict. And I think that every conflict always gives us the opportunity to glorify God. Because think about the conflict that you're facing right now. Think about an argument or a disagreement that you're having with somebody right now. Every single one of those is an opportunity in the midst of that conflict to show someone else who God is, what he is doing in your life, and what he is like. That is our opportunity in the middle of that. And the main way we glorify God is when we extend grace and mercy, we are showing people exactly who God is through our life. And if we can get in this mindset that when we're in the middle of conflict, that it is our goal and our objective to show God glory, it will change the way that you and I, we deal with conflict. And what that means for us is that means that we have to get to a point when we're in conflict that we're willing to drop our agenda. 
Because I don't know about you, but anytime I have a conflict with somebody else and I'm thinking about my, my response back to them, I'm coming up with in my mind exactly what I'm going to say to them, how I think they're going to respond back to me, then what I'm going to say to what they respond. And if they would say this, I'm going to say that. And if they say that, I'm going to say this. And at the end of the day, if this ends up happening, then I'll be happy and I'll be content. And if that doesn't happen, then, well, we'll just go back around this pony show again. Come on now, anybody else do that in life? Anybody else have that conversation in their mind? A couple of us, the rest of us are just lying. It's okay. And we've got to realize that, man, we, 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 we've got to get rid of our agenda. And that means the first step is we've got to drop that agenda, that idea of what we have, and say, God, I'm going to trust that your ways are different than my ways. And that you're going to do through something through this situation that I even can't understand. And I love what Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. He says, listen, don't, don't seek out your agenda. Like, don't, don't lean on what you think is right and what you think is going to happen and how you think this is going to resolve. He says, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. He says, listen, I know you think you, you got it all figured out, but you don't. Like, as great as you haven't figured out, I, I've got a totally different agenda. He says, instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And, and what he's trying to say is, man, there's going to be times that you're going to surrender the Lord in the midst of your conflict. And what God is going to ask you to do is going to be completely different than anything you would ever choose in your life. And the question for all of us in that moment is, will you trust? Will you trust his way over your way and your agenda? Second thing we have to do is we have to focus on our contribution. We have to focus on your contribution. Matthew chapter 7 says this, Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eyes. And the wisdom here that Jesus is trying to convey to us is like, listen, focus on your contribution to the problem. There's probably a log or a two by four in your eye. Let's worry about that first. Let's see what's going on in your heart and let's fix that. And here's what I want you to do in that moment. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God says, man, I want you to be merciful in every conversation. Because here's what mercy does in the middle of your conflict. Mercy frees you for the need to fix whoever is wrong. It frees us from the need to fix Whoever is wrong in that situation. And mercy is being able to love and extend compassion to someone uh, whether or not they have ever righted that situation. It's being able to do that. And I realize that some of you guys think that God has waved a wand over your life and he has given you the gift to fix everybody else. And so you think, man, I need to fix this person, and I need to fix that person, and that person really needs some fixing, so I'll have to work a little bit longer there. And listen, mercy is you giving up the right to fix everybody else. It's you letting go of that agenda. And we talked about this last week. We said everyone needs healing. 
Every single one of us needs healing. And so many times we think that when there is a conflict that I'm right and they're wrong, that, that, that this is the biblical response and that's not the biblical response. And it's not that you're right and they're wrong. It's that you're both unholy. And when you realize that you're both unholy, you realize that you are in need of this grace and this mercy of Jesus Christ for your own life before you ever even worry about somebody else's life. And I don't know about you, but as human beings and for myself, I love being right. Anybody else like being right? A couple of us. We have got to get over this need to always be right. And this desire to always be right. And I learned this a couple years ago. Uh, is, is one of the greatest learnings I've, uh, I've probably ever had. And you might want to write this down because it can change your life. And, and when a friend taught me this, that if I could authentically use these four words in any conflict, it would change everything. And the four words are, you may be right. And so what happens is, is if I'm at, in conflict with somebody at work or I'm at conflict with, with somebody from, from, a, from a theological standpoint, point or if I'm in conflict with Shayla, if I authentically in the middle of that conversation look that person in the eye and go, you know what? You might be right. Everything changes in that conflict in that moment. The key there is authentic because you can go, you might be right and then under your breath go, but you're wrong. Like that is not going to help. It's got to be an authentic thing from you. And we've got to get to this place where we're okay with not always being right. Third thing is we have to listen more and talk less. Listen more and talk less. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Anybody know somebody like that? Anybody, that person, that you'll raise your hands? One or two? Thank you. We, we now have identified you. Uh, I saw this quote on Pinterest. I love Pinterest. It's amazing for quotes. It says, listening is not waiting to talk. Right there, that is good. Some of y'all, you need to write that out. Listening is not waiting to talk because in a lot of our conflict, isn't a lot of our listening just waiting for them to finish so we can give them our version of the truth? I mean, that's, that's really what it is. And if you can get to a place where you truly begin to listen to people, where you settle down your soul and you settle down your mind, there are very few gifts in this world that communicate I value you, and I want to understand, like, time and attention. And I've learned that, man, the best way to resolve conflict is not with your mouth, it's with your ears. It's the very, very best way. Listen to people. One of the greatest human needs is the need to be understood. And I can't think of a better way to help people feel understood than by listening to what their concerns are. And then number four, gently restore if given the opportunity. And uh, that if there is another one of those big ifs in life. You're not always going to have the opportunity. Uh, but if you're in a healthy relationship, this is going to be something that's going to be absolutely powerful to you. And this is the question I ask myself whenever I'm dealing with conflict after I have sought to glorify God after I have looked at my own life, after I've listened to their concerns and what is going on and their perspective, is I ask myself, how do I help this person take their responsibility that they contributed to this conflict? How do I help them see their contribution 
in the midst of this? And how do I do that in a loving way? How do I do that in a grace-filled way? And how do I serve them to help make them better? And one of the reasons why I didn't like conflict is because for so long, I thought that if I, could, if I was in conflict with somebody, I was harming them. That's what I thought. I thought, man, this is, this is a harmful thing. And it wasn't until I realized that when I would go and have some conflict with somebody and confront somebody and, and talk to them in a loving, caring way in order to see them grow and become a better person, that everything would change in that relationship. And while it might be hurtful, that conversation, it was never harmful to them. Like, I've yet to meet anybody that when there is some confrontation that happens, that they're like, yeah, TJ, like, punch me again in the face. Like, I like this. Like, nobody, nobody's like, man, I love conflict in that manner. And a lot of times we think that that is harmful to them, but it's definitely not harmful to them. In fact, it's, it's helpful for them. Because as bad as that hurts them in that moment, anytime you have conflict and there's confrontation, there's always going to be hurt there in that moment. Some of the greatest growth I've ever seen in people is in those moments that they've been hurt. But the truth, along with grace and mercy and love, have been brought in such a way that it transformed their lives. It's been one of the greatest catalysts to growth. And while that conversation might be hurtful is definitely not harmful to them and the more that you can understand the difference between a hurtful conversation and a harmful conversation i think it'll help you engage in conflict now the reason why this is important is because i think that this is what it takes to really be a follower of jesus christ you show me somebody who has a whole bunch of healthy relationships in their life, and I will show you somebody who has learned how to deal with conflict and who God is using in some powerful, powerful ways. On the flip side of that, you show me somebody who has a, a, a path of littered relationships behind them, and I'll show you somebody who has never learned how to deal with the conflict in their life, and they are not even coming close to realizing the God potential that's within them. And it all goes back to this issue of being able to resolve conflict. And Jesus knew so much about this. I mean, Jesus lived with so much conflict around him. And, and in his last days were some of the most conflicting days of his life. And, and anytime I read about Jesus' last words, I take, them with a, I take them in a little bit deeper because I've been on deathbeds with people. And I know that people's last words are not... Uh, just random things that they're throwing out, man. They're thought out. And the family always leans in in those moments because those are some of the most powerful times in a family's life. And so I, I was thinking about Jesus' last words this week. And, and he wrote this in John chapter 17. It says, my prayer, this is one of his last prayers, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so Jesus right here, he's tying his reputation, he's tying his credibility to this one idea that those who claim to follow him will keep unity. He doesn't say that they're not gonna have conflict. 
But what he does is say is he's saying, listen, in the midst of the conflict, they're going to find a way to resolve that conflict and keep and maintain the unity. And I think about Jesus here. He could have prayed anything over his followers. He could have said, man, God, I pray that you would bless them, that they would be so uh, prosperous in their world. God, I pray that, that, that they would never have any trouble that would surround them. God, I pray that you would protect them. But Jesus doesn't pray that. He puts everything on the central idea that those who follow him would somehow find and maintain unity. And if anybody knew something about conflict, it was Jesus. In fact, one of the greatest betrayals that's ever been told in the history of the world comes at the expense of Jesus and one of his good friends, Judas. And Jesus, Judas wasn't just a follower of Jesus. I mean, there was a deeper relationship there than just the, another one of the 12 disciples. I mean, Jesus trusted this guy so much that he put him in charge of the money. You don't put people you don't trust in charge of the money. Jesus walked with him and talked with him for three years. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, it doesn't just come at the hands of a hostile government. It doesn't come at the hands of the jealous religious leaders. It doesn't come at the hands of a fickle mob who cried, Hosanna one week and crucify him the next. It doesn't come at the hands of the disciples who he spent three years of his life with. It comes at the hands of a guy he trusted, of a guy he did everyday life with. Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And so if anybody understands the storms of betrayal and conflict in life, it's Jesus. And when Jesus was on that cross, he looked out over all of humanity he looked out over the disciples who deserted him. He looked out over the, the government that misunderstood him. He looked out over the priests that, that never embraced him when they should have. He looked out over Judas who betrayed him. And he said, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they and so today, I want you to think about the conflict that exists in your life. And I know that most of us don't get to choose the conflict that we're entangled in today, but we do get to choose how we respond to that conflict. And my prayer is, is that wherever you are, that you would respond in the same way that Jesus did, with Father, forgive them. They don't get it. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. And I thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that in the midst of, of conflict and controversy that you sent your son so that we would be able to have a model for how we could resolve the conflict that's in our lives, that we would realize that every conflict is an opportunity to show your love and your power and your grace and your mercy every single day, God, that every, every situation that we're facing right now is our opportunity to glorify you, to show people who you are and what you're doing and how you're moving in our lives. God, and I would pray that today if we're harboring any resentment or bitterness, 
that we're holding on to some things that today we would let those things go, that God, we would choose forgiveness rather than holding on to the brokenness that we have. And then as we let go of those things, God, that we would experience the fullness of the freedom that you want for every single one of our lives. In Jesus' name.